Welcome to the latest edition of our SeafoodNews.com podcast. I'm Seafood News Editor Michael Ramsing, and today we're going to attempt a, a reboot at our, our podcast series here. Uh, we've admittedly gotten a, a little bit away from the weekly plan that we set out to give you guys something to listen to on a weekly basis. So uh, the first thing that we wanted to try to do today is to recap some of the most major news items that came across our desk in the last couple of days. All of these stories can be read uh, at seafoodnews.com. You can head over to www.seafoodnews.com to sign up and get a weekly subscription uh, to the to our newsletter in your inbox every day. Uh, you know, it also includes headline news and, and other material powered by Ernaberry's Comtel. So anyway, you know, in the last couple of days, we've reported on, you know, quite a number of items. Uh, the first uh, would be some news out of India, where uh, government officials there set a plan to try to increase Indian farm shrimp production from 2.3 million metric tons to 4.3 metric tons by the year 2020. The government there said that they would be willing to, to commit about $2 billion worth of funding to increase output in Andhra Pradesh. Uh, that is India's premier shrimp producing state currently. Uh, the plan would be f- to make Andhra Pradesh uh, India's shrimp capital and potentially the shrimp capital of the world. Uh, some other news that, that broke on Friday was the announcement from Trimarine that they would be suspending their canning operations in America, Samoa. They would do that this December. Uh, they cited adverse business conditions, mostly resulting from that plan's inability to get a consistent supply of tuna in order to make running the operation there in America, Samoa, uh, you know, physically manageable. Uh, the company did say that they're going to try and uh, sell off some of the business to prevent job losses there. Trimarine does uh, pack uh, and can tuna for Starkist, uh, among other brands in the industry. Uh, some other news that broke on Friday was a report out of Nova Scotia uh, that said uh, Atlantic that, that the province there uh, leads Atlantic Canada in meeting the minimum standards for protecting Canada's wild salmon stocks from farmed the farmed uh, fish industry. Basically, the report said Nova Scotia is meeting a lot of the minimum standards, uh, but still they lack in several key areas such as preventing escapes, avoiding damage to the sea floor, and monitoring water quality. You know, however, they they are monitoring. Uh, you know the use of genetically modified salmon. They're they're actually not they're prohibited from doing that, um, and they're also documenting therapeutic use. It's basically drug use uh, that they're monitoring in this site pretty effectively. We now switch over to some news that broke uh, on Monday, October 17th. The big story of the day there was a decision um, by the European Union's Committee on Invasive Alien Species to not list American live lobsters as an invasive species. Now, what this means is the ban or the attempted ban um, by Sweden to ban live lobsters, uh, live lobster imports will not happen. This is a story that we've been reporting on in seafoodnews.com all summer uh, since it broke right around the time of the Boston Seafood Show in March. It's something that we've been following quite closely ever since. Basically, uh, Sweden wanted to uh, consider uh, live American lobsters an invasive species and ban the imports of them from their market. This turned into a very uh, big story over the summer. Uh, we had a lot of industry guys in, in Maine and Canada express worry about 
you know, the implications of a Swedish ban um, of live lobsters from the market. So uh, the decision here by the EU committee uh, this week, uh, they really weren't clear on their reasons other than it was a, a technical reasons for not uh, banning the live lobsters. But ultimately, Sweden had a hard time of coming up with hard scientific evidence to, you know, justify a ban. They, they were trying to go off a tact of preventative measures, really, you know, well, we don't want to risk importing more live lobsters in the event that they are an invasive species. So okay, this is a, a win for uh, the, the Maine and Canadian lobster industries. They'll be able to continue to sell live lobsters to the Swedish market and the and the, and the larger European market in general. Um, elsewhere, uh, Cisco Corporation, a you know, major broadline food service distributor here in the U.S., they announced their supplier of the year awards. Uh, and Devi Seafoods, the major Indian shrimp supplier, uh, was awarded Cisco's gold level uh, supplier, uh, making them Cisco's top seafood supplier of the year. This is the third straight year that Devi Seafoods has earned this award. Cisco also uh, honored Seawatch uh, International um, as its sustainability partner for emphasizing the importance of a responsible supply chain to enhance Cisco's corporate social responsibility goals. Other companies that got um, honorable mentions there were Highliner as a silver sponsor, Beaver Street Fisheries, Trident Seafood, F.W. Bryce were also among some of the bronze seafood supply award winners this year. So congrats go out to, to those companies. Some other news out of the industry today was, was Rutch's announcement to increase its catch quotas for Pollock and Crab. They set a 3% increase for the Pollock quota, uh, and they also um, set a 73,500 metric ton quota for Crab. Uh, there. So uh, again, that's some of the, the most recent news that came out of the industry uh, over the last couple of days. Again, all of it is available on seafoodnews.com. Uh, you can sign up to get a daily subscription there from us um, and, and get that in your inbox every day. We also wanted to look at some of the major import and refusal data that came out of the industry in the first week of October. We'll start with shrimp. Uh, shrimp imports came out um, and we reached a, a record, the industry reached a record all-time high, 127 uh, million tons, million pounds of shrimp, excuse me. Um, India was the was the clear supplier of the month. They topped nearly 46 million pounds for the month. That was a 40% increase compared to the same month last year. So it was a very large increase for India, uh, which made them comfortably the top supplier uh, to the U.S. market. Indonesia was second. Uh, their shipments, you know, were up, uh, not very you know, not as not as much as, as India, but they were they continue to be the the second largest supplier of shrimp to the U.S. market by by far. Uh, Ecuador actually posted its first increase uh, of shrimp to the U.S. market uh, since May. However, they still continue to sell more shrimp to uh, the Chinese market. That's evidence in a, in in their year-to-date shipments still trending about 17% down from a year ago. Another bright spot for the U.S. shrimp supply is Thailand, where their imports are up four. 48.5% in August. They were up 16% for the year. And overall, it's just good news out of Thailand as they continue to bounce back from shrimp early mortality syndrome that decimated their production stats from you know, from several years ago that remember they used to be the top supplier to the U.S. market. And other commodities, we want to take a look at salmon real quick. Basically, the story, uh, you know, for salmon is there's there's a lot of supply in the market. Um, imports overall to the U.S. market are up about 7.4%, a little over 202 million pounds. Um, it's basically uh, the same song and dance here uh, as, as 
far as top suppliers go. Chile is by far the top supplier to the market. Uh, their imports are trending at about the same pace as they were last year. Uh, the notable increases uh, driving up imports this year are from Norway and from uh, the Canadians and from the Faroese. Uh, all three of those suppliers are sending more salmon. Uh, we're talking Atlantic fillets here to the market. Uh, you know, you can follow more of this data also on foreigntradedata.com and on Ernerberry's Comtel. Uh, look quickly at tilapia imports from China, and we see a decline in overall frozen fillet shipments uh, from China. This confirms some seafoodnews.com reports of uh, sellers in China having a hard time uh, selling more tilapia to the U.S. market this year. It does seem that the market may have reached a saturation point for tilapia. Uh, it also kind of ties into what some of the data that we're seeing on pangaseous imports from Vietnam. Uh, we're seeing a 19% increase in those shipments to the U.S. market this year through August at 186.4 million pounds. It's a 30 million pound increase in shipments of pangasius uh, from Vietnam to the, you know, the U.S. market. As you know, pangasius is a lower priced whitefish option when you look at it versus tilapia. We've heard some grumblings that this could be the case where you know higher priced tilapia is, is losing market share here in the U.S. It's, it's possible that buyers see uh, a better option here with Pangasius, uh, lower price Pangasius, uh, you know, as an alternative there. Uh, finally, we just wanted to make a quick note on FDA seafood refusals. Um, they've been a, a hot topic this year in 2016. Uh, the FDA is refusing far more uh, overall seafood items. That's uh, you know, right now current figures have us up about 20% from last year year-to-date levels. It's an increase of about 251 line items. The number one reason this year for refusals is filth. While it is the leading reason, we feel that it's not because there's more dirty seafood in the market. It's really, we think, a function of the FDA increasing its overall inspections of seafood, and they're finding more filth violations in the inspection, you know, in the volume of seafood that they're that they're looking at this year. They said earlier in the year that they would be inspecting more seafood. Uh, so we feel like this increase in overall refusals in 2016 is, is, is a function of that, not of a function of, you know, more dirty seafood or dirtier seafood in the U.S. market. Uh, we do want to make mention that September was the lowest monthly figure for refusals this year. Uh, that was also true last year. Uh, we don't really know specifically why uh, there are less uh, refusals in September in two straight years. We knew know last year that the FDA finally cracked down on, on a Malaysian transshipping of product that had a lot of antibiotics in it. Remember, antibiotics were the top reason for seafood rejections in 2015, mostly because of the Malaysian issue. That's not the case in 2016. Uh, we did know uh, zero lobster rejections for the month. Up until uh, September, uh, Brazilian spiny lobsters were consistently among the most top five rejected seafood items of 2016 because of filth. Uh, we have no news on any efforts to curb spiny lobster rejections or of any you know, issues directly related to the the industry that would suggest a, a, a downtick, you know, in Brazilian shipments. It just seems to be possibly a coincidental, you know, event here in September. Uh, we do want to make note that the FDA does seem to be rejecting the top five species more consistently. Last year, it was clearly Malaysian shrimp that was a key driver in refusals. That is not the case. If anything, September data is just additional confirmation that the FDA is increasing seafood uh, shipments across the board, uh, regardless of species, and they're not targeting anything. Uh, so that 
you know, is, is, a, is a seafood news update here that we wanted to kind of deliver to you to kind of reboot these podcasts. Remember, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SeafoodComNews. You can follow us at Twitter at UBSeafood. Uh, you can follow me specifically at Michael Ramsing. You know, let us know how we're doing. Uh, tweet at us and, and, you know, give us some suggestions on some content we can cover. You can also head over to uh, Facebook and like our pages, uh, Seafood News and Erner Berry. Uh, and, you know, if you have any questions about any of our services, please give us a call, 732-240-5330. You can also visit our shop.earnerberry.com page to learn about how to subscribe to all of our premium uh, market and news uh, content services. That includes seafoodnews.com, that includes Ernerberry's Comtel, and that includes Ernerberry's Foreign Trade Data Service. Uh, so we thank you for tuning in, guys. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast, uh, and, and we promise to get you more content here on a more regular basis. Uh, I'm Michael Ramsing with Seafood News. Thanks again. We'll talk to you later.